This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. We want to uh, go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. <clears throat> this is part two of what we were looking at this morning. Well, it's a different subject. So Matthew chapter 16, and reading from verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Tonight we uh, want to get to the, the crux of Christianity. The uh, message this morning was entitled, The God We Believe In. But tonight we want to get to the question of Christ. No question is more important than this one that Jesus uh, posed to his disciples. Get this wrong, and then our whole foundation crumbles. And it's been rightly said that the last battle of the Christian age, as was the first, will rage around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Jews, Muslims, Christians, and some others believe in God. But belief in Christ is fiercely contested, even by those who believe in God. But when it comes to God's Son, suddenly there's a battle and this distinctive makes Christianity completely unique. John 5.23, Jesus states, If you do not honor me, you do not honor the Father. J.I. Packer, he said, When God is called the maker of heaven and earth, and he is, that parts company with Hinduism and Eastern faiths in general. But by calling Jesus Christ God's only Son, that parts company with Judaism and Islam, and it stands quite alone. And so you can see, even by that simple statement of Packer, that Christ stands out among all others. Eastern religions tends to make no distinction between God and creation. We mentioned that this morning. Pantheism, pan all, theism, God. All is God, God is all. Basically, that's the teaching of Hinduism. Judaism and Islam do not accept at all that Jesus is God's son. And so immediately when we state that, we put ourselves apart from the world's two great religions and we stand alone. Now, in a pluralistic society, uh, that really is not acceptable. And it's become increasingly less acceptable. 
Christians being told we must be more tolerable to other faiths. We must treat all faiths equally. Prince Charles, one of his titles, his royal titles, is defender of the faith, which he has changed to defender of the faith. And so liberal theology demands that we accept all other religions as bona fide, the same as Christianity. Don't offend, don't be so dogmatic, that's the mantra. And so whether it's Buddhists or Hindus, Muslims, Jews, New Agers, whoever, everybody's just the same. And we're to treat everybody exactly the same. Their beliefs are as equal to yours, as important to yours. Christianity is no different. It's just a system of belief, and they're all the same. You believe what you want as long as you sincerely believe it. That's what we're being told today. And so we're getting a great diversity of beliefs, and our national cathedrals is holding uh, faith services with all faiths. And just recently in England, one of our national cathedrals had one of these interfaith services, and a Muslim imam stood up in front of everyone and boldly denied that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The cheek of it, the nerve of it, in a Christian church of all places. But that's what we're expected to accept. But how can we compromise in the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. And so Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man? And her answer better be like Peter's. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And again, to touch on what we said this morning, that didn't come by reason, it came by revelation. Jesus' flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It's a supernatural revelation. So here then is what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is God's only Son. Now, I like what William Barclay says. There's a lot of things William Barclay says, by the way, that I don't like. But he says some great things too. He says, when we think about this, that Jesus Christ is God's only Son, he says, belief enters the realm of history and time. When we are thinking of God, we are moving in the timeless spheres of eternity. But when we think of Jesus, we think of these historic events which are the basis and foundation of the Christian faith. In other words, if we're only thinking about God up there in those heavenly spheres and realms, that's one thing. But the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came down to where we were, came to this earth, that brings it into time for us. We believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus was his name. Christ was his title. Christ wasn't his surname. My name is David. My surname is Gaudi. But Jesus Christ is not a name and a surname. It's a name and a title. And the, the name Jesus was actually quite common in those days. It was a Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means God is Savior. So that part wasn't unusual, but it was his title, the Christ. His name describes who he is, Savior. He came to save us from our sins. In fact, today, it looks as if he came to save us from everything except our sins, 
But that's his name, Savior. He came to save us from our sins. But the very thing his name declares, it's interesting that his description starts with his human name, Jesus, and thereby identifying with our humanity. And that's a popular name today, Jesus. Sometimes it's pronounced other ways in different countries. So when we think of Jesus, we're thinking of his human name, his human personage. But when we think of Christ, then we're thinking of a title. The Greek word from which we get Christ is Christos. And it's the same, it's equal to the Hebrew word Messiah, the anointed one. And so if, if Jesus, if that name speaks of why he came, anointed speaks of how he came. He came as the anointed messenger, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. In the Old Testament, there was three people who were anointed, the prophet, the priest, and the king. And by way of their office, the prophet was the one who stood before God on behalf of the people. Sorry, the priest was the one who stood before God on behalf of the people, but the prophet was the one who stood before people on behalf of God. The priest was the one who brought men to God. The prophet was the one who brought God to men. And Jesus was both prophet and priest. Hallelujah. As priest, he brought men to God. As prophet, he brought God to men. He's prophet and he's priest but he's also king after the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus stands out as very special. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He said, the spirit of God is upon me. I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor and so forth. Lord. And this was a, a position he held. That was a title, the anointed one. And it was so special that he said to Peter, he says, man didn't tell you that. It was my father told you that by revelation, that I am the anointed one, that I am the Christ, the Messiah. We believe that Jesus Christ is God's only son. Now notice we stress only son. Angels sometimes in scriptures are called the sons of God. Men are often called the offspring of God. But Jesus alone is called God's only son. Again, signifying that he's special. Angels and men are God's sons by creation. We, as believers, are God's son by adoption. But Christ is God's son by his very nature, by his very essence, because that's who he is. Hallelujah. Now, we can never or will ever be a son of God like Jesus is the son of God. We are sons of God, but not like he is the son of God, as much as cults would try to tell us different. Now, this is not some incidental matter I'm saying tonight. This is a very, very important distinction. And when it comes to Jesus Christ... All of the false religions, all of the false cults falter on this one thing. They're mistaken in many things, but all of them agree when it comes to Christ, they all of them agree that he is not the son of God. And so it's important that we understand this. 
Now, Jesus Christ's unique sonship has been the battleground for the Christian faith right since the beginning. Islam, Judaism, all flatly reject it. To a Muslim, you see, the notion that God having a son through a woman is blasphemy, absolute blasphemy against Allah. To a Jew, the idea of Jesus of Nazareth being the Son of God, the Messiah, is also blasphemy. In Mark chapter 14, Verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What, what is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, saying, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Are you the Christ, the Son of God? He's asking him very, very clearly. And Jesus equally clearly said, I am. Nothing could be more clear than that statement right there, that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you know there's people who say that Jesus never said he was the Son of God? Well, he just after saying it there, didn't he? He kept silent until he was asked that question, and he would not deny it. He says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. So the high priest knew exactly what he was saying. And to him it was blasphemy. He's saying, I am the son of God. And that was blasphemy to him. One characteristic of all of the cults and false religions is this false teaching about the person of Jesus Christ in the light of historical Christianity. 2 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul warns about preaching another Jesus. Not the Jesus that's revealed in scripture, but another Jesus. And the cults preach another Jesus. No matter how sincere they are, no matter how nice they are, if they come to your door, they're coming with another Jesus. Not the historical, biblical Jesus, but another Jesus. Not the Jesus in Scripture. Not the one who's the second person of the divine Godhead. Not the one who was God who became flesh. Not the one who came to this earth and who lived a sinful life and died the death on a cross for our sins. Not the one who rose three days later. Not the one who 40 days later went back to the Father. Not the one who sits right now at the right hand of God, who ever lives to make intercession for us. Not the one who's coming back from there, back to this earth again, to claim everyone who is his and to set up his kingdom on this earth. Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus did not exist as God from all eternity, but instead was the first creation of Jehovah God, and before coming to earth, he was Michael the archangel. Head of all angels, but not God. Mormons believe that Jesus was one of many gods. 
I'll talk a little bit more about them just in a moment. I'm going to read you a couple of things out of some of their literature. Jehovah Witnesses don't believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the deity of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in hell. And lots of things they don't believe that's in our scriptures. And they twist scriptures and have their own translation of the Bible. They very cleverly use a lot of what's in our Bible. They plagiarize a lot of the Holy Scriptures, but they twist certain words, especially when it comes to Jesus and his lordship. So they're very clever that way. The Mormons. We see the young men going about with their little bides, the elders. Two years are out missionary work all over the world. Usually very polite, very nice. Will agree with a lot of you what you say. You say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. They say, well, we believe that too. I believe they died for my sins. Well, we believe that too. But what Jesus are they talking about? See, this is the difference. Joseph Smith, who was the founder, Brigham Young, who was a successor, Joseph Smith said, in the beginning, the head of the gods called a council of the gods, and they came together and concocted a plan to create the world and people it. Then he goes on to say, God himself was once as we are, God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man. And then further, the Father has a body of flesh and bone as tangible as man's. The Son also, but the Holy Ghost is not a body of flesh and bones, but is a personage of spirit. And then Brigham Young says, when our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of the celestial wives, with him. He is our Father and our God, the only God with whom we have to do. <laughs> so in keeping with what we said this morning, who is God? Well, according to the Mormons, as Adam was God. And God was as we are now. <laughs> it even gets worse than this. And then Brigham Young goes on to say, gods, plural, gods exist, and we had better strive to prepare to be one with them. Lorenzo Snow, a former president of the Mormon church, said, as man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. So you can become a God just like God, who was a man, became God. And then... Orson Hyde, another Mormon, said, Remember that God, our Heavenly Father, was perhaps once a child and mortal like we are and rose step by step in the scale of progress and the skill of advancement has moved forward and overcome till he has arrived at the point where he now is. I mean, this just gets more crazy by the, by the reading, doesn't it? A little bit more. The following quotations are exerted are accepted, exerted, beg your pardon, from the Mormon publication Times and Seasons. 
And this was spoken by Joseph Smith at a funeral of an elder before 18,000 people. Here's what he said. I'm going to inquire after God, for I want you all to know him and to be familiar with him. I will go back before the beginning, before the world was, to show you what kind of being God is. God was once, as we are now, an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. I say, if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form, like yourselves, all the person, image, and the very form of man. Now, he's talking about what we say as God the Father. Our Bible tells us that God is a spirit. I'm going to tell you how God became to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. In the first principle of the gospel, to know for certainty the character of God, to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another. That he was once a man like us, yea, that God himself, the father of us all, dwelt on earth the same as Jesus Christ did. What did Jesus say? The scripture informs us that Jesus said, as the father is power in himself, even so hath the son power to do what? Why? What the father did. The answer is obvious in a manner to lay down his body and to take it up again. Well, the Father didn't lay down his body and take it up again. The Father is the Spirit. Jesus Christ laid down his body, didn't he? Here then is eternal life, to know the only wise and true God, and you have got to learn how to be God yourselves, to be the kings and priests, the same as all gods before you, namely from going one small degree to another and from a small capacity to a greater one, from grace to grace, from exaltation to exaltation, until you attain to the resurrection of the dead and are able to dwell in everlasting burnings and sit in glory as do those who sit enthroned in everlasting power. What a load of blasphemous nonsense. And there's a whole lot more, which I'm not even take time to read tonight. Now you say, well, what does that matter? Well, there are 20 million JWs and there are 16 million Mormons and that's only two cults. And they're going to the ends of the earth. Almost every nation on earth, you'll find them propagating this at people's doors. And so when they come to our door and they're very highly trained, they nearly know what we're going to say to them and they've already answered. So we need to know what we can say. So it's good to read up a little bit and find out. And they're blinded. I have no doubt of their sincerity. You'd need to be sincere to go out continually knocking doors. You have to be. No doubt about that. But they're sincerely wrong. And they're lost souls. And worse than that, they're taking lost souls to hell with them. And that's the tragedy. So pick any cult you care, you'll find it rejects historic Christianity's views of Jesus Christ. Now in the early days of the church, the controversy centered around Christ's divinity and his humanity. There were those who said he was divine, but he wasn't human. There were those who said he was human, but he wasn't divine. There was those who said that his divinity came upon him while he was a man during his life and it left him before he died on the cross. And so there's all kinds of theories that still abound to this day. 
But we believe, Christianity believes, that Jesus was both human and divine at the same time that deity took on humanity. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same as in the beginning of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory full of faith and truth. Amen? So Christ was always, always aware of his pre-existence. He says, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> and whenever he said those things, the, knew, the Jews knew exactly what he was saying. They were under no illusions what he was saying, and neither was he. John the Baptist said of Christ in John 1.30, after me comes a man preferred before me, for he was before me. He added that wee bit in then. For he was before me. Now, in the natural, John was before him. Do you remember the angel said to Mary, go to your cousin Elizabeth, for she's six months with child already, with John the Baptist, who was to be John the Baptist. So John was older. John came first in the natural. But John says, he was preferred before me because he was before me. John has taken us right back to his pre-existence. Moses wrote in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. John writes in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. Now John G. Butler, an old writer, he said this, makes a lovely observation. He says that Moses and John go in opposite directions from that term in the beginning. He says, Moses falls in the beginning with what happened after the beginning. In the beginning, God created. So he follows in the beginning with what happens after it. But he says, John, he follows in the beginning with what was before the beginning. Namely, Jesus Christ was. Amen. So all of this is trying to show us and teach us the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, his preexistence and his entry into this earth as the Son of God. Now, we believe that Jesus Christ is God's only Son, our Lord. See, now we move from sonship to lordship. Peter said in the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The word Lord is without doubt the church's favorite title for Jesus. He's called by that almost 600 times in the New Testament. Curious is the word. Curious. And old Barclay says it denotes absolute ownership. He owns us. 1 Corinthians 6. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Absolute mastery over everything. Absolute royalty, he says. He says that curious was the word of imperial power. By the end of the first century, it had become the normal title of the reigning Roman emperor. It was the word in which the highest power in the world knew was summed up. Huh. Now, 
You see, this became a major problem for the church because any Roman emperor who called himself Lord demanded that at least once a year that everybody in the empire had to burn incense and bow down and call Caesar Lord. You can see how that's going to be a problem for Christians, isn't it? It was a problem for Jews too, but certainly going to be a problem for Christians because as far as they're concerned, there's only one Lord and that's the Lord Jesus, not Caesar. And many of them were put to death for that because they would not call Caesar Lord. They'd only call Jesus Lord. So you see the conflict. No wonder Thomas, when he finally met Jesus after the resurrection, no wonder he called out and says, my Lord and my God. <laughs> Absolute mastery. Paul says that no one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now he's not saying that you couldn't literally physically say the word Lord. Of course you could. If you got lips you could say that. But to call him Lord and mean it that he is your Lord it can only be by the Holy Spirit. That doesn't come naturally. Going back to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. We didn't naturally become believers in Christ. It was a work of the Holy Spirit in us that gave us the power to believe, to call him Lord. And it's only the Holy Spirit gave us the power and the ability to change us that we could call him Lord. And that's why we call him Lord. Yes, anybody can say those words, but to mean it and to live it, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in us according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. And he's our Lord, uniquely ours, exclusively ours, singularly ours. He's my Lord personally, he's your Lord personally, but he's our Lord corporately. And so the crux of Christianity is who is Jesus to you? That's what Jesus wanted to know from his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Everybody else has got an opinion, but what's your opinion? What do you think? And that's the rub, isn't it? When you get right down to it, every man, every woman has got to make up their mind who Jesus truly is. Is he the Lord? Is he the Savior? Is he the Messiah? Is he the anointed one? Or is he not? That's what it comes down to. And so thank God that he's been so gracious to us that he came to us who were lost sinners, hopeless, helpless, far from God and in his mercy he came and he drew us to himself and he gave us his precious Holy Spirit to reside within us that we today can truly call him Lord and God and Savior and Christ and all those wonderful titles in the Bible that are attributed to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you are truly our Savior and our Lord. We thank you that we were washed in your precious blood. We bless you that we're born again of your Holy Spirit. 
And we thank you, Lord, tonight that if we were to drop dead right now, we would be absent from the body, but present with the Lord. And Lord, that's all of your grace and all of your mercy and goodness. Lord, we had nothing in ourselves. We had nothing to boast about. We had no claim upon you. Lord, in your grace and mercy, you came to us and you saved us. And so we're eternally grateful tonight. And we thank you for your precious life given for us and given to us and in us tonight. Help us by your Holy Spirit to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and to exalt him in our lives that men and women and boys and girls may see something of the Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we praise you and we bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.